Bridge kids, you can be dismissed, but if you want to stay about one more minute, you may, this is important, okay? I, since this is Father's Day, I wanted to share something. I, usually I'm pretty humble, but uh, I wanted you to know that I've been presented with this award. And it says, be it known that Jerry E. Kellen um, has earned the enviable honor of the world's greatest father. It's true. And it says, hold your applause. From the undersign, for your devoted service, opening jars, valiantly attempting all manner of home repairs, dispensing wisdom and warmth, and lending a sympathetic ear, not to mention money and car keys, for having surrendered your paychecks and imperiled your sanity, you have been declared world's greatest father by your grateful public and are entitled to all rights and privileges thereof subject to the local law, that is, mom. (laughs) Signed this day, uh, 21st day of June 1981 by uh, Tina Kellen. So, um, since that time, I have been the world's greatest father. So, I hope that isn't maybe overstepping. Uh, so, Bridge Kids, you can go. And, uh, but since, since um, I have been selected as the world's greatest father, I have a few things I'd like to say. Now, one of the most important things, being a dad, uh, in our home, and one of the things that I appreciated most about our kids is when they learn to say thank you. You know, thank you, Dad, for playing baseball. Uh, Thank you, Dad, for taking us to McDonald's. Thanks for loaning me money for that new dress that I needed. Thanks for helping me with my homework. Thanks for staying up late to talk. I mean, really late. Uh, Thanks for the ride to school. And we had a lot of rides to school. Sometimes they were 25 miles, and later they got to be 612 miles. Thanks for taking my friends to lunch. That's really easy when you go to McDonald's on a Saturday with a 10-year-old. But when you go to college and there are a group of friends, they don't like McDonald's. Saying thank you is not an easy thing. In fact, uh, I grew up not learning to say thank you. It wasn't normal for me to say thank you to my parents or practically anyone. Now, I've learned a lot about saying thank you from my wife, by the way. Uh, I, I sort of grew up thinking that I was entitled to a happy and comfortable life, and if it wasn't happy and comfortable, I let people around me be aware of that. And that was, uh, I was entitled before entitlement became a popular concept. And here's what I want you to see. Researchers have identified that teaching children to be thankful is the hardest of all social graces. Children need to be taught to be thankful even before they know what it means. As children develop and receive further education, they can begin to experience the emotions of being thankful. But first, 
they need to learn to say the words. So don't expect your kids to be thankful unless you teach them and model it for them. Researchers have further discovered that the attitude of gratitude has many positive emotional and physical health benefits. In an article in the Wall Street Journal, November 2010, Linda Beck writes this, Adults who frequently feel grateful have more energy, more optimism, more social connections, and more happiness than those who do not. They are less likely to be depressed, envious, greedy, or alcoholic. They earn more money, sleep more soundly, exercise more regularly, and have a greater resistance to viral infections. Kids who feel and act grateful tend to be less materialistic, get better grades, set higher goals, complain of fewer headaches and stomach aches, and feel more satisfied with their friends, families, and schools than those who don't. The researchers concluded a lot of these findings are things we learned in kindergarten or our grandmothers told us, but now we have scientific evidence to prove them. The truth is, being thankful is something that was designed by God as a human response to Him and to what He's done. Our perfect Heavenly Father. Uh, And here's what I want us to know today. Having a thankful heart helps people, helps you and I, to thrive as followers of Christ. Today we're going to continue our study in the book of Colossians. So I invite you to turn there. Today we're going to focus on verses 3 through 14 in chapter 1. And that's page 816 and 1182, if you picked up one of the bridge Bibles. Last week we met Paul, we met Timothy, and we met the Colossians. Uh, Paul writes the book from a prison cell, or he was held prisoner in Rome, about 62 AD. Think in terms of, this is about 30 years after the resurrection of Jesus, roughly, and it's about 30 years before the last book of the Bible, the book of the Revelation, was written, about 30 years. Um, So you have an outline in your program if you'd like to follow along. Here's the first thing I want us to see in Colossians chapter 1. Thanksgiving is essential for spiritual growth. Thanksgiving is essential for spiritual growth. Um, And now we're not talking about Thanksgiving as a holiday. Uh, We're talking about giving thanks back to God. It's essential for Christians to thrive spiritually. Why? Well, first of all, it's modeled for us. Uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 3, to look at the text. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Paul starts. This is common, a common way that Paul will begin one of his letters to thank God for the church that he's writing to, except for the book of Galatians. He was not thankful when he began to write to them. At least he didn't write it down. Um, we always give thanks. And... Uh, When Paul thinks about the church in Colossae, when he thinks about the people, when he thinks about the report that he has heard, he is moved to thanksgiving. Um, And so uh, thanksgiving is modeled to us uh, by the Apostle Paul. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, how about this? Follow my example, the Apostle Paul says, as I follow 
the example of Christ. So why should we pray? Well, one of the reasons it's modeled for us by the Apostle Paul, and he said we should follow his example. Jesus prayed, and Paul is following Jesus' example. Also, we are instructed to be thankful. In fact, you probably are aware there are many passages that tell us to be thankful. And one of those passages is Hebrews 12, 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, he's talking about the kingdom of God. He's talking about all that's involved in the future and in heaven. And let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. So let us be thankful. The writer of Hebrews tells us this is a response to God. In fact, one of the amazing things is being thankful is worship. It's a response back to, to God for what he's done for us. And uh, God has so designed the spiritual life. Uh, he wants us to be thankful. He's instructed us to be thankful. When we are thankful, it's worship back uh, to God. Um, what should thanksgiving include? Good question. Thanks for asking. First of all, God's work in the gospel. At least that's what Paul's going to tell us. You can start making a list of things that you're thankful for, but here's what Paul modeled for us. Verses 4 through 8. Uh, he says in verse 4, Because we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that spring from hope stored up for you in heaven about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. What should I be thankful for? God's work in the gospel. Um, Paul uses a, a triad here that he often uses when he writes. He talks about faith, hope, and love. And he looks at the church and uh, in, in Colossae, and he is thankful for their faith and the love that springs from hope. Um, the faith that they have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. They have heard the gospel message. That is, Christ died for them. Christ died for their sins. And uh, they've placed their faith in Jesus Christ. They've understood that he died, that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day. And that resurrection is hope. Um, Jesus is not dead. He is alive. And so he... Um, he talks about their faith. He's thankful for their faith because their faith looks up to God and their love looks out to others, other followers of Christ, and their hope looks to the future of being with Jesus, um, the resurrected Jesus who has ascended into heaven and sat down at the right, of God, right hand of God and he awaits uh, for us. Um, in the same way, look at verse 6, in the same way the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world just as it has been among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. This is the nature of the gospel. When you plant the message that Christ died for our sins into the hearts of people, there are responses. And when one responds to Jesus in faith and trusts him, uh, it's normal that the things happen and that lives are changed. Uh, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing. 
It's the spiritual nature of the gospel to enable people to thrive, to grow, to develop, to change spiritual, spiritually. Um, lives change, sins forgiven, uh, people grow, and people become more and more like Jesus when the gospel is planted and fruit uh, comes forth. Um, so we made a, let's make a list here. Just go ahead and put them all up. Growing in faith, uh, growing faith in Christ, that is trust of God and who he is and his promises, growing love for others. Paul is thankful for the church in Colossae because their love is growing for other people. And especially for the household of God, especially for other believers. That's one of the biggest problems the churches face today. The church faces. Every church faces it. What do you think of other believers? Do you love them? Are you disappointed with them? Are you angry with them? Are you critical of them? Do you complain about them? Then something is missing. Yes, we have human emotions, and yes, we get hurt, but we can't stay there. And their love was growing. Also bearing fruit, more and more people were coming to faith in Jesus Christ. Lives were being changed. And we have one more. Using faithful servants. Uh, Verse 7. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who was a faithful minister of Christ Jesus on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. Epaphras was the church planter who planted the church in Colossae. Paul calls him a faithful servant. Paul is thankful for the ministry of Epaphras. And he's mentioned later in the book. He's also mentioned in uh, the book of Philemon. Uh, He was a prisoner with Paul in Rome, according to the book of Philemon. And so uh, Paul calls him a faithful, faithful minister. Um. When you think about prayer, when you think about being thankful, are you thankful for the people who serve you? Are you thankful for the people who serve you in the church? Are you thankful for the people we have leading our student ministries? That's a practical one. Are you thankful for the people who are serving us with Bridge Kids this morning? Are you thankful for those people who lead growth groups? They are servants for Jesus. And uh, Paul gives us instruction and he models for us a thankful heart about the servants of Christ. So, what should Thanksgiving include? God's work in the gospel. Secondly, God's work in my circumstances. You know, we have a tendency just to make it about us. What about my circumstances? But the Apostle Paul focuses on the church and a thankful heart for what God is doing in the church. So we're going to talk about God's work in my circumstances. And a great passage is 1 Thess 5.18. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You know, want to know what God's will is for you? Be thankful. Cultivate a thankful heart. Not a critical heart, not a complaining heart. Cultivate a thankful heart. If you're going to thrive as a follower of Jesus, if you're going to be who he wants you to be, cultivate 
a thankful heart. Be thankful in your circumstances. For richer or poorer, in sickness and in health, be thankful in your circumstances. It doesn't mean you have to be thankful for all of your circumstances. It means to be thankful to God even when times are hard. There are plenty of things to be thankful for even when times are hard. Be thankful. It doesn't say, if you're feeling like being thankful today, go ahead and be thankful. No, it's something that you learn and you cultivate and you respond by faith. So, God is not honored by grumbling and complaining. Um, Whether you're uh, a child, a kid, a teenager, or whether you're mom and dad, God is not honored by grumbling and complaining. Thanksgiving is essential for you to thrive as a follower of Christ. Secondly, here we go, verses 9 through 14, prayer is essential for spiritual growth. Prayer is essential for spiritual growth. Why? First of all, it is modeled for us. There it is again. Look at verse 9. For this reason, Paul writes, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. Paul modeled prayer to the church. He models it to us. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. He modeled prayer. Let's just go back to 1 Corinthians 11.1 again. Follow my example, Paul, as I follow the example of Christ. He modeled prayer. Let's follow that example. Secondly, we are instructed to pray. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. Paul says, pray continually. This is an everyday approach to prayer. Be mindful of God's presence 24-7. Just uh, there, uh, one of the uh, classic church fathers talked about practice, practicing the presence, meaning live as if Jesus is with you all through the day, right there at your side. He hears everything, he sees any, everything, and just talk to him as if he's right there. It's an everyday approach to prayer. Talk to him often, tell him what you, you are thankful for, tell him, telling him what stresses you, telling him what your concerns are, telling him what makes you mad telling him uh, your needs, telling him your desires. Pray continually. Prayer is essential for spiritual growth. Why? Number three, it aligns our hearts with God and displays our total dependence on him. It aligns our heart with God. It helps us to tune in to God working in our life. One of my favorite passages is John... um, 15 verses 4 and 5 and Jesus said this he said remain in me as I also remain in you no branch can bear fruit by itself it must remain in the vine neither can you bear fruit or thrive unless you remain in me I am the vine Jesus said you are the branches if you are a follower of Christ if you remain in me stay closely connected and I in you you will bear much fruit and here's what's important apart from me you can do nothing apart from me you cannot thrive apart from me you're going to wilt apart from me you can do nothing of eternal 
value. And so uh, uh, this is a way, and, and I like to think of it as a, it's in a way to align myself with God. I, I want to be so close with God that I can sense his heartbeat. And my heart spiritually would be with his so that um, I want to even pray and ask God for things that are on his heart about his values and his priorities so I'm not always pushing up what I want what I want what I want Um, Jesus is the vine and we are the branches we must be connected to him John 15 7 and 8 he continues he says if you remain in me and my words remain in you that's God's word ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you this is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples Jesus wants his church to thrive he wants Christ followers to thrive he wants to answer prayer but it's not all about what you want It's about aligning your lives with him, placing yourself under the lordship of Christ. He is Lord and I am not, and I want to be here. I don't want to be out here. And um, he says, ask whatever you wish. And that's when he begins to put his desires into our hearts. And we ask, and it's about his kingdom, and it's about bearing fruit for him. It's not about me uh, getting more money and having nicer things and a nicer place to live. That could be a small byproduct. It's all about what he plans to do in uh, advancing his kingdom. So, what should we pray for? Hello? What should we pray for? To be filled with the knowledge of God. Do you pray for that? Do you pray that you might be filled with the knowledge of God? That's what Paul prays for for the Colossians. Look at verse 9. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Paul prayed that the Colossians would be filled with the knowledge of God, with the knowledge of God's will. That would include needing to know God's word and what God has to say. Um... needing to know where the boundaries are, needing to know what the instructions are. I need to know God's will that he has already revealed. That's why I want to spend my time and my life reading the scriptures because I want to know. I want to be reminded. The scriptures aren't just, it isn't just about knowledge and getting more information and more information. It's a spiritual truth. It has a spiritual life. It's, it's a, it feeds my soul, um, and I grow when I have an intake of God's Word. But it's not just about the Scripture. It's about being filled with the knowledge of God. What else is that? Well, it's knowing how God works. It's knowing about how God works in your life. It's knowing about how God answers prayer. It's knowing about how God directs you. It's knowing about how God prompts you. When is God prompting you to do something to obey? You have to be walking close, and you have to have experience. It's not just about head knowledge. Head knowledge helps some, but it's also about your heart. And when you know somebody really well, 
it's easy to trust them, at least if they are solid and if they're not deceitful. It's easy to trust somebody when you know them really well. It's about understanding his timing. It's about understanding his love. It's understanding his patience. It's understanding his grace. I don't deserve what he gives me. It's grace. And it's about knowing his desire for my obedience. To be filled with the knowledge of God. Secondly, uh, what should we pray for? To live a worthy life of the Lord. So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord, uh, which is in verse 10. Paul wanted the Colossians to know God so that they could live a life worthy of the gospel of Christ. To To live a life fitting a Christ follower. To live a life up to Jesus' standards and his desires. Jesus laid down his life for you and for me. He gave up everything for you and for me. And one response is, offer your bodies to God as a living sacrifice. That's one way to live a life worthy of the Lord. But that's what he prayed for. This is modeled for us. Maybe we should pray for these things, for our own lives, for our kids, for our parents, for our brothers and sisters, for our church family. Also in verse 10, uh, to live a life pleasing to the Lord. And he just very uh, clearly says that. And to please him in every way, this was Paul's motive. Uh, this, is for, this is what he prayed for when he prayed for the Colossians. And this is what we should pray for. Number four, to live a life that bears fruit in every good work. This is still in verse 10. Um, bearing fruit when we serve Christ. Our character, meaning our character becomes more and more like Jesus. Uh, that is Galatians 5, and 23. You know where the fruit of the Spirit, the idea is the gospel is planted, the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, we are indwelled by the Holy Spirit, and as we walk with Him, and as we're controlled by the Holy Spirit, we bear fruit. We, our character begins to change, and um, we become more loving, and we become more joyful, and more peaceful, and more patient, and we become kinder people, and we grow in goodness, and we become more faithful, and more gentle, and more self-control. And when people hang around us, they see God at work, and they get a real glimpse of who God is, and what He is like. And people come to faith in Jesus Christ when we bear fruit in every good work. And it might be bearing fruit just because we're serving at a touch-twice ministry or through IJM or outreaches that we do to serve every good work. And number five is to live our lives in a growth mode, verse 10, growing in the knowledge of God. Growing in the knowledge of God means being a student of God for a lifetime. To be a lifetime learner. That's what a disciple is. A learner. Learning from God and His Word. Learning by walking with, him, God, walking with God day by day. Sometimes that's kind of trial and error. Sometimes we fall down. And the, the best advice I can give to anybody that falls down, because we all do, I mean we sin, okay? 
The best advice I can get, give you is to get back up, to walk with Christ. And we need to confess our sins and get back close to Christ. Stay the course, though. What happens is we get discouraged and depressed and we fall down and we stay there. And we stay there. And we stay there. To live our lives in a growth mode. And number six is to be strengthened with God's power. This is verse 11. To be strengthened with God's power. As Paul prays, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you might have great endurance and patience. He prays for power so they can endure. He prays for power so they can have patience. Who wants patience? Life is hard. It wears us out. It, life requires incredible energy. Anybody debate that? Life requires incredible energy. Uh, Paul prayed that the Colossians would be strengthened according to his glorious might. That's about power. What's so glorious about God's power? Well, it's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And when Jesus was resurrected, it was glorious. He had a glorious body. It was changed from death to life. And that same power is available to us today. And that's what Paul prayed for, that they might have this glorious power because we need endurance. We need patience. Number seven, we're sliding home. To have an attitude of gratitude, we're kind of back where we started, to have an attitude of gratitude. Paul play, prayed for a thankful heart for the church. And he says in verse 12, And giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. It's about thanking God for what he has done with our eternal salvation and all that entails. And right here, Paul is going to give us a glimpse of some of what that entails. He has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. Verse 13, he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. And he's brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. Verse 14, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. By the way, those are not things that you have to ask for if you are a follower of Christ. If you are a follower of Christ and you place your faith in Jesus, those are things that you should be thankful for. For what has already been done and what has already been given to you. God wants you to be thankful for the gift he's given us. Given. Um, you have an inheritance in the kingdom of light. You have been rescued from the dominion of darkness. You were once, whether you knew it or not, you once belonged to the sphere of darkness under the authority of Satan, the domain of darkness. And you have been rescued and brought into the kingdom of God's Son. And you now possess redemption, the forgiveness of sins. You don't have to ask for them. You need to thank God for them. Okay, finally, let's, we got 
to the last part. What about me? What about me? What about me? What about my needs? Okay? I knew you wondered about that. And it, Paul didn't address that in Colossians chapter 1. But let me uh, make, address this briefly. What about me and my needs? My stuff? How do they fit with prayer? And Jesus answered uh, this with the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, 9 through 13. And I'm not going to turn there, but I'm going to walk you through it. and just remind you, the Lord's Prayer. This, then, is how you should pray. This is what Jesus said. You want to know how to pray? This is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Okay, there's prayer request number one. It's prayer that God's name be holy. It's prayer about God's reputation. And his reputation is going to be enhanced by the way you and I live, by the way. If people honor God and respect God, it's usually because they see God at work. So that's the first request. The second request is in verse 10, your kingdom come. That's a prayer request. Jesus said to pray for this, that God's kingdom would come. Okay? It's about advancing and having influence on earth. Um, Then he says, third prayer request, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's prayer for God's will to be done. Now, how many things have I prayed about for myself so far? Zero. Three prayer requests for God first. Your will be done. I think that might be obedience. That we have obedience here on earth. That the church be obedient here on earth. Just like it is in heaven with the angels. That I be obedient right now, right here. Okay, now let's go to verse 11. Give us today our daily bread. Who's that about? Well, that's about us. We finally got into us. Number four. It's okay to pray for yourself. You can pray for your needs. I can pray for me. I can pray for my daily food. I can pray for my daily needs. It's all good. We should pray for them. Even if you have a big paycheck, you should thank God for your big paycheck because he is the one that gives you your daily bread. He can also take it away, by the way. Number five, verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now I pray about the way I treat others. I forgive. I'm a forgiving person, and I pray about that. I need to pray about that because I don't always feel like forgiving other people. And I ask God to forgive me because I fail him, and I need forgiveness. It's about my own spiritual condition. And then number 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now I pray for spiritual protection for myself or for my family or for my church. Spiritual protection. So looking at it, it's God's kingdom first, my kingdom second, daily needs, forgiveness, and protection. Keep that in mind. God's kingdom first. That's what Paul was addressing in Colossians chapter 1. It's about what God has done. And it's about learning to thrive as a follower of Christ. Matthew 6, 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. That's the last verse in the chapter of the Lord's Prayer. God's kingdom first. My things come later. This is God's priority system for thriving. For to me... To thrive, I pray for God's kingdom first and me and my needs, whether that's grammatically correct or not, second. So, Paul gave us a model prayer. He expressed thanksgiving to God for work in the gospel. 
This is more than thanking God for helping you find a place to park. You know, this is, this is the biggies, what people do, is it? Thank God for helping me find a place. You know? Now, God cares about your stress level, but he also wants you to know there are bigger things. So my question is, is do you have a thankful heart? Or today, would you say maybe a little more critical heart? So if you intend to grow and thrive, you need to cultivate a thankful heart. When Paul prayed for the Colossians, he prayed that they would thrive spiritually, that they would know God's will, that they would live a life worthy of Christ, that they would live in a way that pleases God, that they would live to bear fruit, that they would be in a growth mode. Question. Do you pray to thrive spiritually? Or do you put your needs first? Do you pray for God's church to thrive spiritually and numerically? Um, I'd like to close uh, with a little fun story here. September 18th, 2009, a man named Kevin Fast set a Guinness Book uh, World Records at the Canadian Forces Air Base in Trenton, Ontario. And I want you to see a little video clip of what happened. Okay, let's see that. In Canada and Afghanistan, today it served a different purpose. His goal, pull a 280-ton plane, five meters. The previous world record for doing this was held by an Australian back in 1997. He pulled a measly 187 tons. We have a new Guinness World Record, as you all witnessed. Uh, Kevin pulled the plane, for, uh, it was 416,299 pounds. He had to pull it five meters as a minimum. He took it 8.8 meters. So there's a new Guinness World Record from Kevin Fast. Amazing. Reverend Fast couldn't be happier with his accomplishment. Uh, uh, today was a lot harder than I ever expected. It took me over a minute to pull five meters. That's pretty slow. It was tough. My son was my rope man, and he kept going, it's moving, it's moving. And I think he was just bold-faced lying today. <laughs> But uh, actually, with his encouragement, uh, I, I can keep going here. Colonel Williams jumped at the opportunity to host this event. I think everybody was, uh, was pulling for the Reverend, and it certainly was very impressive. Yeah. So, yeah. so what's next for Reverend Kevin Fast? He's not too sure, but with nine world records under his belt, who needs a plan? I'm Jordana Springay for QNET News, CFB Trenton. Well, Reverend Fast is a pastor, by the way, and... Uh, that was a C-17 cargo plane. That's one of my grandson's favorite planes. And he asked mom to drive by the airport in Pearl Harbor just to see those uh, planes. C-17 cargo plane is bigger than a 747 jetliner. Now, you know, here's a guy. He's all strapped in. And he actually pulled that C-17 with his own physical strength. But how is that C-17 designed to move? It's designed to fly with powerful aircraft engines. The church is a little bit like the C-17. There are times a few individuals who can move the church a short distance. But that's not how the church was designed. The church was designed to fly and to thrive with the powerful engine of prayer. 
when God's people pray, the church can be what God intended the church to be. Let's stand and pray. Thank you, Father, for uh, your word and for uh, Paul's model of prayer and model of thanksgiving for us. We're grateful, God, that you have called us to be the church, that you have given your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die in our place so that we could have forgiveness of sins. And we just say thank you. When we think of it, we are amazed because your grace is amazing. We are humbled. We recognize we don't deserve it. And God, we recognize that you've called us uh, to bear fruit, to live for you, to live lives that are changed, to follow Christ, and to reach our world. And we cannot do that in our own strength. Apart from you, we can do nothing. God, help us to be a church that learns to pray for Jesus' sake.